Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the playing of the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. And here's your host, Jana, and her big brother, Jeff. Welcome to this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. How you doing, Jana? Did you have a good week? Yeah, pretty good. Didn't get to watch a lot of baseball because I was blacked out. Right, because not me hot... personally. <laughs> I didn't spend the week blacked out. Just uh, Manfred blacked out the games. Just had. Uh... Well, it's not like they were huge games or anything, right? Nothing special happened. No, nothing games. special in those games that happened in, in Arizona. Six hours away from me. Yeah, apparently you guys are a hotbed of, uh, of Diamondback fandom. <laughs> no. Well, we'll talk about the Dodgers today. We'll talk about the silver linings. For the uh, for the angels and more, so why don't we go ahead and get this one started? Maury Wills, base stealing dynamo, has made his journey to blue heaven. He passed away on Monday, September nineteenth, at his home in Arizona. He was eighty nine years old. Born October second, nineteen thirty two, in Washington D.C., he always dreamed of playing in the major leagues. In an interview with MLB.com in 2004, he said, As a kid, my greatest wish was to play in the big leagues. When I was 14, I heard about Jackie Robinson and I wanted to play for the Dodgers. I spent eight and a half years in the minors and it appeared it would not happen. I wanted to play with Jackie Robinson and didn't get to do that but I did play for the Dodgers. Wills became part of the Dodgers organization when Pee Wee Reese Hall of Fame shortstop was playing. It would take eight and a half minor league seasons before he became the shortstop taking the job from Don Zimmer. Wills stole 50 bases in his first full season in 1960, beginning a run of six straight seasons in which he led the National League. He was the first National League player to steal 50 bases since Pittsburgh's Max Carey stole 51 in 1923. Wills stole 104 bases in 1962, breaking Ty Cobb's record of 96 set in 1915. Wills was named Most Valuable Player of the National League in 1962 and the most valuable player at the 1962 All-Star Game, in which he would appear in five seasons. He led the league in stolen bases in six consecutive seasons. He won two gold gloves at shortstop and still holds the club record with 490 stolen bases, even though he retired in 1972. Wills played in his first World Series and the Dodgers went over the White Sox in 1959 and he and the Dodgers went to the World Series three more times when he was with Los Angeles. The Dodgers swept the Yankees in 1963, beat the Twins in seven games in 1965 and were swept by the Orioles in 1966. Wills excelled in the 1965 World Series hitting 367 with three doubles, three RBIs and three stolen bases. Dave Roberts, Dodgers manager who wears number 30 because that's the number Wills wore, said he was a friend, a father, a mentor, all of the above for me. So this is a tough one for me. He said he just kind of showed me to appreciate my craft, showed me how to be a big leaguer. He just loved to teach. I think a lot of where I get my excitement, my passion, 
My love for players is for Maury. The Dodgers will wear a patch honoring Wills for the rest of the season. He is survived by his wife, Carla, and children, Barry, Mickey, Bump, Anita, Susan, Quam, and Wendy Joe Wills. was a, uh, a cool week because we celebrated Roberto Clemente Day last Thursday. Unlike Jackie Robinson Day, where everybody wears 42, uh, for Roberto Clemente, uh, the uh, Latin players can all pl- wear number 21 in honor of Roberto. Something cool happened that had never happened before since they started allowing teams to wear the number 21, the Latin players too, is that uh, one team fielded all nine players were Latinos. And so all nine were wearing number 21. That would have been the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, it's first time that it's ever happened in an MLB game. And now they said that when they put the lineup together that they didn't realize that they weren't, you know, that they just put it together. And maybe it just kind of came together that way. And maybe they didn't realize that they were all nine uh, were Latino players. But it's cool either way, whether they, you know, decided to do this or if it was just a happy accident. I'm sure that, uh, you know, for a lot of teams, it was probably not that hard to do with, you you know, how many how many great, um, you know, starting uh, Latino players without like specifically saying, oh, let's pull this guy up off the bench or this guy. Or, yeah. You know. So for the Rays, you had Yandy Diaz, Randy Arena, Wander Franco, Manuel Margot, Jose Siri, Harold Ramirez, David Peralta, uh, Rene uh, Pinto, and Isaac Parades. And they represented Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Colombia, and Mexico. And the players, though, said, we didn't even realize that it was anything special until after the game and people were asking them about it. So I could see that the players were like, oh, hey, we all have 21 today. But um, they would have worn 21 regardless of whether they were in the lineup or not. But still, still a cool occurrence. Also, players who were nominated for the Roberto Clemente Award, also were allowed to wear number 21. And that always seems to be like one of the biggest awards. The The most honor seems to go with that, uh, with the uh, being nominated for that award. And, you know, part of it is, is that you can only win it one time. Uh, once uh, Once you've won it, you can't win it again. And there's some players that are nominated seemingly almost every year and uh you know uh, last year nelson cruz uh walked away with the uh with the award um this year uh, a whole new batch of folks including justin turner who has been nominated before i think yeah he i think he's been nominated several times i think he's one of those guys that 
is the Dodgers representative um, and has been, you know, maybe not every year, but he does so much. He and his wife, uh, Courtney, they do so much in the Los Angeles area. Um, so it kind of makes sense. And it almost is surprising that he hasn't won um, the award yet. But uh, the Roberto Clemente Award is an award that goes to a player who best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, uh, philanthropy, and positive contributions, both on and off the field. Um, and so, uh, uh, JT is definitely doing that. I, I think uh, the other day I heard, um, I heard uh, Dave Roberts say, we don't even know how he does it. He comes out here and he plays at a top level, uh, you know, for the team. And then, and he says, we ask a lot of, you know, he and his wife, because Courtney is very involved with him on all those things. And uh, he goes, I don't know how he does it. It seems like if he's not here, he's doing something out in the, uh, out in the community. And of course, uh, he is more or less a local boy, having grown up in Long Beach. Um, he, uh you know, he does put a lot of time out into the community. You see stuff all the time about the, the Justin Turner Foundation. Yeah, their official mission is to support homeless veterans, children, and their families battling life-altering illnesses and diseases in various youth baseball organizations. Um, that's just a fraction of what the Justin Turner Foundation does, but they also have the Dream Center which is just a few blocks from Dodger Stadium, and that focuses on providing support to those affected by homelessness, hunger, and um, also lack of education through residential community outreach programs. Uh, also, the Dream Center also has a veterans program. They have a women's veterans program. Uh, in fact, the food bank at the Dream Center is now the Justin and Courtney Turner Food Bank. And it supplies food for more than 60 local food banks. So, yeah, I don't know how he does everything he does. Probably because Courtney does a lot, too. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So, I actually, you can go and vote for who you feel um, is the winner or who should win. And, um, of course, I gave my vote to JT. Uh, another person you could vote for that would be, uh, you know, uh, not a connection to the show, but definitely somebody we talk about occasionally. We haven't lately just because he's been on the injured list would be Jared Walsh from the Angels. He uh, he also uh, has um, has shown up big in this community. Uh, he's a, a Georgia native, but he has become a, a staple in the uh, Orange County area where uh, where the angels play uh, you know constantly at the uh, children's hospital of orange county uh, memorial care miller children's uh, and women's hospital in long beach he's out reading library books to children uh, he is uh, inspiring students at adopt a school assemblies as a speaker he's been to many of those and uh, during uh, 2020 when uh, opportunities for community involvement were limited, he found himself on multiple Zoom calls with children's hospitals, patients to play games with them, providing, uh, you know, just some support, laughing and joking and whatever he could do, even though he couldn't go there in person. 
Uh, yeah, he, and, and it, I was to say in Atlanta, he is um, an active volunteer with the Habitat for Humanity and uh, also works with Hands on Atlanta, which is a local uh, supports local communities impacted by food insecurity. So another yeah, good, uh, good, good egg. <laughs> um, a few others. Uh, that are uh, that are nominated, and you can go uh, find that uh, on the uh, the MLB site, um, and uh, and where you can vote for you know who you'd like. I don't know that uh, every single one of these guys is doing a lot for the area they're in, whether it be just at where the team, you know, as far as the team goes, or like like you're talking about with Jared doing it both at his off season home and uh at uh, where he plays um so it's uh there's no wrong choice here i don't think as far as you know who you pick uh, you know byron buxton was uh, was another one that was uh, was nominated from the twins uh jose trevino from uh, the yankees uh jason hayward who i know has been nominated before from the cubs brandon Crawford, josh giants is another one that is nominated Paul Goldschmidt, Cardinal. Right. So how about that? Be uh, potentially the MVP and a Clemente Award winner in the same season. Could be. Uh, could just walk away with all the awards <laughs> there. And then uh, funny one, and I don't know if it's funny, but Josh Bell uh, is the nominee for the Washington Nationals, even though he is no longer a National because most of the work that he did was uh, while he was there for this nomination before he got traded. Miguel Cabrera, another one that is, um, is then has been nominated. And then I got to give him props here on this. I don't, I didn't look and see exactly what he was doing, but Jose Altuve also uh, is on the, uh, on the list for those who were nominated. He was nominated. So every team gets a nominee. Uh, yes, yeah, so Jose Altuve is the nominee for the Astros, and uh, he and his wife are very active in the Houston community, and they have hosted several charity events. Um, he was also very active during the pandemic, um, working with the Astros Foundation to provide 60,000 meals to Kids Meals uh, Incorporated to support children in need so that's just one of the things that he did to earn the nomination so yeah you got to give him props even though he might need some props to to make himself a little taller but stilts stilts, yeah, stilts make, not Josh. props <laughs> stilts right voting is available uh it's it started back on september 8th and it runs until october 5th so if you want to vote for uh, your favorite or once you've read through to see what each player has done, uh, you know, pick the one that uh, speaks to you the most. You can uh, you can definitely do that. Um, like normal, there is no date for announcement that I can find. It, it's one of those things that just never couple of years ago, remember a couple of years ago, they said, okay, we're going to have it. We're going to announce it here. And it wasn't until like months later that, uh, and I mean like two to three months later that they finally announced 
the uh, it was after all of the season end awards and everything and typically it happens more like around the playoffs or the world series that they will announce the winner so that it's um it's highlighted better in uh you know around you know like a world series game or something like that i it's i don't know it you can never find it another manfred moment manfred yep well, you know, and maybe it's because it used to be called the Commissioner's Award, and then they changed it to to be uh, named after Roberto Clemente, who definitely was uh, was big in community involvement. In fact, when he died, he died doing uh, something that was a charitable cause. Uh, so I uh, can't tell you when it's going to get announced, but we'll tell you, you know, once we find out and who it is. Because typically it does, last year it happened, I think they said, okay, we're going to announce it on this date, and they actually did. Um, in 2020, they didn't. So Maybe it was because, it, we'll just blame it on COVID. It's time for Dodger baseball. The Dodgers had a, another good week. Question is, can they continue this role as they roll into the playoffs? We know that they're going there. Even more has happened. Um, and I think something odd also happened is that for the second time in as many weeks, they had a game delayed or affected by weather. Um, so we'll talk about that uh, when we get to that particular game. Uh for the most part, I guess I got to cover the um, the first part here because you didn't see any of these games. You just kind of heard rumors about these games. I, I heard rumors. Yes, that's it. I, I watched the highlights of the game. I mean, you can watch the games like 90 minutes after. But I would be up all night, every night watching these games so i just you know hang out and do stuff with you know hang out with planet head hang out with the boys because then that kind of banks my time towards the postseason go gotcha you're you're (laughs) building up time for that when you're going to ignore them all for a couple of weeks for the month of October. Sorry. I'm 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 out of you're out of luck. You know how to work the microwave? Oh no, they don't. Uh, anyway, so uh the Dodgers heading into Arizona after a uh um a, a decent uh week before. They uh took out the Padres last week and all but all but clinched a uh the nl west um that was uh, they were almost there but they couldn't quite do it so they go to arizona so they can uh, try to do it one game at a time uh or you know they had two games all they had to do was win to clinch they could have beat the padres and done it all in one swoop because it was a padres loss or dodgers win um, so in this case they got to win at least two of the three to move on and um Game one starts off pretty well. You got Tyler Anderson on the hill, goes seven innings, gives up only five hits, no runs, only strikes out two. 
Yeah, you know, I noticed with Tyler Anderson that his strikeouts are low, a little bit lower. I mean, he gets obvi- obviously gets the job done, but his strikeouts, he doesn't have that same jumbo jack mentality right. that the Dodger pitchers need. Yes, that would be true. And that seemed to kind of be the theme. You've had enough jumbo jacks. You need a break. Watching out for the health. Getting a little oh, chubby right. there, buddy. The burgers are not helping. So we're not going to get no more free jumbo jacks for you, at least not this series. Oddly, Freddie Freeman, no hits in this game. Uh, Trey had a triple. Cody, two for four with two RBIs. Mookie with a home run in the night uh, with three RBIs so that the uh, the Dodgers uh, take it six to nothing. Ryan Nelson had six strikeouts for the Diamondbacks, went six innings, gave up two hits, no runs. Cattell Marte with two hits for them, but they get blanked uh, by the Dodgers. And leads to uh, one of your favorite days of the week. Kershaw Day. Exactly. Yeah, so Kershaw's on the mound in this game, and this could be the game. The sheriffs are posted at the pool. They are got the the mounted. I don't know that there are horses out there, but they they were surrounding the pool just to make sure if it happened. Kershaw's on the mound, pitches seven innings, gives up two hits, no runs, five strikeouts. Wasn't he um, on the mound the last time when they they actually did do that? I think so. Yeah, I remember him like kind of leading the charge out there. Yeah. So. Um, and of course we have our usual suspects Freeman. He came around. He must, uh, you know, maybe he was able to get some sleep the night, you know, that the night that he went, Oh, for, you know, four or five, whatever it was. Um, but he goes one for four had a home run. Max Muncy had a home run. And that was the closest to the pool that the yes. Dodgers got because he hit it right over the pool. Yes. And then Joey Gallo had a home run. Uh, JT had a double, CT3 had a double, Trey had a double, and the uh, I think it was Freddie Freeman who said after they win this game, four to nothing, um, I think it was Freddie Freeman that said, this is the only time I've ever seen a team win a division and do their normal high five line. There was no rushing the mound, there was no you know, jumping on each other. They just did their normal, you know, their normal lineup that they normally do. It wasn't until they got into the clubhouse that the party ensued. Is that one of those act like you've been there before moments? I think so. Or or did they just, maybe they, they knew or, but it was like, yeah, you know. Whatever. We've done this. Yeah, been there, done that. Well, and Freddie, Freddie never really had that big of a, you know, when he was with the Braves, it was more of a, oh my gosh, we just won something, you know, whereas, um, you know, the Dodgers have been, this is what, the ninth time in 10 years that they've, they've taken uh, the NL West, despite the, uh, the best efforts of Merrill Kelly, who struck out eight Dodgers. Yeah, they just, uh, the the D-backs just. Just, they're just the D-backs. They the are. The Dodgers are, you know, are just that much better. So we uh, we head to the uh, to the wrap-up game. The Dodgers have won the series, 
take on take on the D-backs one more time in Arizona. The last time they have to go to Arizona for the rest of the uh, this season, and the uh, the Dodgers send Michael Grove to the uh, to the mound versus Zach Davies for the D-backs. Unfortunately, it was a innings game. And we know how that works. Yeah, and uh, Craig Kimbrell didn't let it go. Um, mm. but. And I saw people saying, well, what did you expect? They don't play his music on the road. So when he came out, they weren't playing Let It Go for him to be inspired. He's got to yeah. get that in his own head. He's got to have his own personal soundtrack in his head. I think so, to- too. Yeah, he really needs that. Um, and one of the things you probably, if you watch this game, you notice top three were out of the game. Bookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman. And Freddie Freeman texted Dave Roberts, I don't know, six, seven times to tell him, I want to play. I want to play tomorrow. And Doc said, no, we made a deal. Said if we clinch the division, if we win the division, the next day, you get a day off. And Freddie was like, no. I got to go with Freddie here that, you know, some players still want to play 162. And this was his very first day off all season. Yes. He hasn't been on the I.L., He's been there every day at first base. Well, and I uh, think this was maybe Trey Turner. He hasn't been out that often either. So maybe, you know, a third third game setting, second game, you know, something like that. But, yeah, Freddie Freeman was really, he was, you know, campaigning to be in the lineup. It didn't matter. So, yeah, so you had CT3 who was hitting off leadoff, but he hit two for five. Um, Will Smith had a home run. Trace Thompson had a home run in this game. But as you said, it went to Zinnings, and that is usually not good for the Dodgers. And uh, Arizona had a Sergio Alcantara had a walk-off home run because Craig Kimbrell doesn't have the Let It Go song in his head when he is going out to the mound. And the win... Did not go to Zach Davies today because it went to Zinnings. It went to an old friend, Reyes Maranta. <laughs> yeah. Now with the D-backs, uh, got the win in Zinnings against his old team. Uh, helped with, like you said, Sergio Alcantara, and then uh, um, Dalton Varsho and Corbin Carroll, both with home runs in there for the D-backs. So the Dodgers lead with two out of three. Bigger than that, they've clinched the NL West. They're able to now. They're just looking to um, to maintain and get the number one spot, uh, you know, or to so that way they're not uh, you know dropping from one. Not that it was going to happen because the Mets are the number two team in the National League, and uh, last time I had looked, I think as of the weekend they hadn't even hit ninety wins yet. So I don't think that there's gonna they're gonna catch up. With this point, but that that was the Dodgers' focus. But it's like, hey, let's just go play. They went up to San Francisco, and um, lots of weird things going on in San Francisco. Isn't that uh, like every day? Yeah, I mean, like in the city. You know what I was thinking too was, why don't they have instead of their City Connect jerseys being that fog thing? Why didn't they? And maybe they should do an alternate City Connect. 
with the whole hate Ashbury area and like the tie dye. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be better I, that than would... that fog theme thing. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. They it's not even the right dye. color orange. Right? I, I was even thinking too, because in one of the games they were wearing uh, their black jerseys with the gigantes. And I right. was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd forgotten they had those. Yeah, so. that was their, um, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month started on September 15th, which is Roberto Clemente Day. And then during, while the Dodgers were there, the Giants also were celebrating um, Hispanic Heritage Month. So, yeah, I, those are cool jerseys um, to, for the uh, Giants to wear. But we had a good one. Now, this game, first game's on Apple TV. And it was boring. I, Not the game. Not. It's just the game was exciting because you had Dustin May on the mound. He pitches, he had a no-hitter through five innings. Now, we knew he was not going to be, you know, continuing through that game because he, you know, is still, they're still getting him back from Tommy John. Definitely don't want to do anything that could jeopardize his, you know, going into the postseason. Especially Um, with the pitching issues that the Dodgers are facing right now and not knowing... Uh, you know, what the status of Tony Gonsolin will be uh, at this point uh, and, uh, and you know, all the others. We know that their, their pitching staff is kind of the walking wounded. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's been some good news coming out of out of the uh, with the pitching staff. But you got to you got to um, protect these guys. But Dustin May, five innings pitched. Um, like I said, had a no hitter through five, had strike uh, four strikeouts, uh, one walk. And this is probably the best that he has looked since he made his debut um, back in August. So it really good to see him um, being on the mound. And he just is nasty. You know, when he gets going, um, those those pitches are just like, where did that come from? You know, that's not even fair. No, it, it some of the stuff that he throws is unbelievable. And I think even like I've heard people, not that particular game, but, uh, you know, in past outings, when uh, they see some of those pitches, even the announcers are like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. It's like he's taken over for, for Clayton Kershaw as the wizard, I think. Some of those pitches are like... He's like uh, Mickey in Fantasia. He's got the wand and he's got the the buckets and the mops all dancing. He's got that. He's just like he's just like able like he can control it like a drone or something uh, where it goes up there. OK, now turn. OK, now curve the other way. Yeah, uh, it yeah, seems like dropped. that. Yeah, he's got it on a wire and he's controlling it. Uh, Freddie Freeman, two for four in that game with an RBI tray, one for far and JT two for four. So yeah, they- and I just uh, I had to go back to um, we talked before about Apple TV and the announcers, and they still I mean Hunter Pence was there, and uh, you know I think he's a regular right on Apple TV baseball their baseball, um, and he's okay you know he's got obviously has good baseball knowledge. He also the next day was got his plaque on like their wall of fame at uh, Oracle Park 
Um, so it was a big celebration all about Hunter. And they talked a lot about that. But if you were just watching the game and it, like I was tuned them out, I kind of had the sound down and was just watching the game. Game was good, but they're so boring. And I just, I don't get it. Like, it's probably good that they're on Apple TV because that way, I don't know what their viewership is, but if you were trying to sell baseball to someone, you know, who is maybe a casual fan or maybe they've seen a game or two and you're like, you got to watch this. You got to watch these games. It's like, great. They would never watch another game. Because they're so boring. It, like put you to sleep. I'm like you and I. Would do a better job. <laughs> hey Apple TV. Yeah what are, what are you thinking? <laughs> exactly we're, we're there. We'll do it. We'll have fun. Uh, Logan Webb. Uh, normally. Uh, controls the Dodgers. Didn't have as much luck this time. Only goes four innings. Gives up seven hits. And four of the five runs. In the shutout. Uh, for the Dodgers, that game five to nothing. Game two, the ace is on the hill. Julio, uh, ready to uh, to get through this stuff and get into the postseason. Uh, has a pretty good day. Six innings pitched, five hits, two runs. Strikes out eight. Yeah, just it gives up just a you know one home run. Uh, gets a seventeenth win of the season. I don't think a lot of people. He's just kind of. Um, the unsung hero of the pitching staff, because we have talked about this before, either we take him for granted or we're just like, it's Julio. That's what Julio does. A really good article in the Los Angeles Times written by Jorge Castillo about uh, Julio and growing up and his eye, um, you know, with his eye surgeries that he had and the perseverance. Um, So, uh, you get to, I like, I enjoyed reading that because I felt like I know him just a little bit more than just the pitcher on the mound. Yeah. I like the, uh, the one thing where they said, you know, people still giving him grief about the eye and in San Diego, he was getting grief from some Padres fans and, uh, and he just had had enough of it. So he turned around and said something to the effect and I'm paraphrasing here, just as I remember it. But it was more to the effect of, well, I put your team down, or I've got a ring, and uh, and I put your team down with one eye. Imagine what I could do with two. Yeah, I know that's like the best. That was the he best seems part of it. Like quiet, you know. And when you see him, he's very, you know, he is demonstrative on the mound, but it's not that same. Uh, that same way. That's what I like about him. Like when he doesn't get the call or, you know, somebody gets a hit, he's like, okay, all right, I'm going to let me fix this. And then he does. So yeah, Julio on the mound, uh, Tommy Conley came in and pitched, um, for two thirds of an innings had two strikeouts. So that is good news for the Dodgers because he had, he had come out earlier in the season um, had been on the IL, got off the IL pitch, went back on the IL. Now he has gone through several rehab assignments. And so that's good to see him. And that's um, two games in a row of coming in and getting two strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, in the time that he worked. So Trace stepping up again with another home run, two RBIs, JT. 
what is this guy's on fire? I think they said since the All Star break, he is like the best hitter in baseball, not just the National League, but in baseball. Yeah, he's he three been for four in up. that game, uh, two RBIs, uh, and then you had, of course, of course, Mookie Betts had a hit, Trey Turner had two hits, Freddie Freeman had two. Ho hum. No. <laughs> Will Smith had two as well. He's kind of yeah. joining into that group where he's. Max Muncy, this is always good to see. He had a hit and he had an RBI. So that's what Dodger fans want to see. That's what Max Muncy wants to see. Right. Uh, Wilmer Flores was the one that hit the home run off of Julio. He went one for four. Brandon Crawford, two for four. As the Giants go down once again to the Dodgers, seven to two. And then this brings like a deja vu moment because the... The Dodgers ended the series with the D-backs in Zinnings, and then they go to Zinnings in the last game of the series versus the Giants. Which was a weird game. And a lot of that could be traced to the weather. Yeah, Mother Nature was all over the place in this game. Um, they, I guess it had been raining on and off all day in San Francisco, but they were determined to get this game done because what would have happened is if they didn't play this game, they would have had to make it up on September 26th because there's only four uh, Major League Baseball games on September 26th. So they they would have had to have gotten together and made it up. And uh, Gabe Kapler's like, listen, I got Alex Cobb on the mound. He's one of our better pitchers. We are getting this done. We don't care what what happens. But it was crazy. I mean, it was pouring down rain. And they continued um, to play. And at one point, it looked like they were going to put the tarp on the field. The umpire's like, I'm, you know, tarp it. Everybody's in the dugout. They roll the tarp out. And then it stops raining. They put drying in agent on the field and then i think it was alex cobb so anytime alex cobb was on the mound it would pour down rain but then at some point it got really foggy and then the fog would lift and you could see the ships out you know you could see the ships out in the water and then it was sunny in the outfield there was a rainbow (laughs) then it would get cloudy the fog would come back in and it would pour down rain. I saw that. I was thinking, wait, wasn't it just raining? And I was, when the game was on, because it was a late game, um, I see, I think I was like on a break or something. Actually, I had it on my phone. And I saw that, uh, uh, you know, sun in the outfield. And I thought, oh, okay, we're good. And then you went to home plate and it looked like it was pouring down rain at home plate. But there was sun and a rainbow out in the outfield. Yeah, it's like um, being on one side of the street. And it's pouring down rain, but the other side of the street, nothing's happening. It was, that's what was going on. You had home plate was pouring down rain, outfield was good. But uh, Andrew Haney on the mound, uh, loves the Jumbo Jacks, um, tries to do it himself. This time he came up too short, but. But he did it in four innings. Yes. I love this uh, Jumbo Jack mentality of, uh, of Andrew's. If that's, no, that's what it's going to get you, the strikeouts, if you're like, Jumbo Jacks for all. 
then that's what I want to keep seeing. There you go. Um, Mookie, two for four. Freddie, JT, and Max all had an RBI. Uh, Max's RBI was uh, was a walk that scored Mookie. Mookie was, uh, um, this was in Zinnings. Mookie drove in uh, Cody uh, in the 10th and then got, uh, got, he had a double, got moved over to third. Uh, Freddie got walked. Freddie stole second. Uh, and then, uh, and then another walk, and then another walk, and uh, and the Dodgers win this one. I, I guess it's not a walk off win, but with a go ahead uh, walked in uh, <laughs> win, and they're able to shut down the Giants. And it's weird because you had all this rain stuff going on, a little bit of delay, a little not, you know, it's just odd the way that one worked. But when in San Diego. Thanks to Tropical Storm K, there was moisture going on there. So that game was had delays. You know, it's one thing if you're like in the northeast in wintertime or even this time of year, but you're um, in places to get more rain that aren't domed. You might see you might see that happen. But in California, it's more likely to happen in San Francisco because they get more rain up there. But even lately, there's not been that much rain even up there. So it's it was strange that within you know just around a week's period, they had uh, two weather connected issues uh, for yeah. two of their games. And I think uh, when Oracle Park op- since Oracle Park has opened, I think they've only had maybe six rain delays or you know kind of a weather events but um yeah because it just doesn't happen but they needed the rain like you mentioned they haven't you know all of california needs rain uh but yeah it was just it was just a weird it's a weird game and you had really good catches in the outfield but then the wind you know either it's nothing or it's crazy right and the ball oh the ball is going and then it dies or a ball that doesn't look like it's going to be a home run becomes a home run just a crazy place to got play. a quick updraft or something yeah it was crazy the dodgers have uh, have secured their um their playoff spot they will get a buy in the first round that's a guarantee for them and uh they were going to Finish out, uh, you know, tooling here, figuring out who's going to be on the postseason, who's going to be healthy, who's not, and they have a couple of weeks to do it. Uh, they don't leave California for the rest of the season. Uh, Arizona in, and then St. Louis comes in for the weekend, and uh, I will get to see Tio Albert. Uh, who knows if he'll hit, uh, if he hasn't already hit number 700, uh, he's within two. Uh, as of recording time, so they go down and uh, the uh, the Cardinals play down in San Diego before they uh, they head up to Dodger Stadium, uh, and that they play uh, the Dodgers have five games against the D-backs this series with a doubleheader uh, that happened on Tuesday. So we'll talk all about that next week. For now, it is Player of the Week time. So I went with Max Muncy. I don't remember. Was he my player of the week last week? I don't know. But yes, uh, he was. 
I think he was. I don't know. I just, I look through everything because I thought, is this deja vu? That's <laughs> all I, over uh, again. Yeah, I look through everything. And with the exception of the one game in Arizona where it was 0 for 5, every other game he had at least one hit. Um, and in every, you know, he had two doubles, he had a home run, he had um, three RBIs. Um, you know, 260 batting average, we're like, yeah, 260, but it's so good to see Max Muncy doing Max Muncy things. And uh, I just uh, going to continue with my trend of giving it to Max Muncy this week. Okay. Yep. That's a, that's a good one. I wasn't sure where to go. Cause you know, it's like, remember how we did with the angels? Like, okay, who's it going to be Mike Trout or Shohei Otani? Mike Trout or Shohei. And then Mike Trout got hurt. So it was a, who's it going to be Shohei Otani? And, uh, you know, then we try to find other people to get in there. Uh, and he's become an easy one. Of course, the, the first three Mookie, Freddie and Trey, uh, all have it. And we had, uh, you know, uh, Freddie not only got uh, Player of the Week for me last week, but uh, also the MLB honors. He's always an easy one. A lot of these guys, I decided, and I'll tell you right now, I was swayed uh, by uh, something I read. I'm going to give it to Julio. I don't think I've given Julio Udias the, uh, but just, he's been there. He only pitched once this week, but he pitched well. And he's been that steady, that rock in the uh, the anchor of the uh, rotation, if you were. So I'm going to give it to uh, to Julio, uh, just because. Hey, some guys aren't pitching that well with two eyes, and imagine what he could do with two to steal his line. Right, time for the silver lining segment. We're going to talk Angels baseball. The Angels. Went to Cleveland and then came home to take on Seattle. Two teams fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, Cleveland uh, has to win the AL Central to get into the playoffs. They're per- effectively locked out uh, by uh, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. So they go in there. Let's see if the Angels could uh, cause a little problem for the uh, for the end for the Guardians while they were there in Cleveland. Uh, Reed Detmers on the hill to start, and uh, he throws five innings, uh, gives up six hits and four runs. Aaron Loop gets the loss in game one. But Mike Trout hit uh, what would be uh, the home run of the the seventh home run game in a row, and that's where that streak would end. He wouldn't get beyond the seven. Uh, Matt Duffy, two for four in that with a home run as well. Stephen Kwan, remember him? We talked about him at the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah. He was was the rookie, like, tearing things up. Just had a great start of the season. Got injured um, when uh, when the Guardians came to Anaheim. He was not with them, so you didn't get to see him play. He is back uh, and has been for a little bit, but uh, got to see him this time, two for four with an RBI, Austin Hedges, Owen Miller, and Ahmad Rosario, all uh, given Reed Detmer's fits in a 5-4 to four loss in Game 1. That's okay. It's only one, right? Only one. Just play so let's go to Game day. 2. Uh, Jose Suarez on the hill. He's also gone 5. He went 5 and a third. He gave up 9 hits, but only 3 runs. 
compared but that to that was enough. Yeah, it didn't didn't really matter because all three runs were uh, were winning runs compared to the one that they put up courtesy of Matt Thice's home run. The uh, Guardians can thank Oscar Gonzalez, who went two for four with two RBIs, one of those being a home run. So that's only two, and that's not unusual for the uh, Angels, right? Yeah, that happens. So we go to game three, and uh, the Angels uh, 1A ace. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, he also goes five innings, five and a third, nine hits. I'm I'm sorry, he gave up seven hits, two runs, struck out three, gave up a home run. That home run, of course, would be to last year's MVP, Jose Ramirez. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez had another big day uh, for the Guardians, three for four, the home run, and Andres Jimenez, three for four. Uh, they were they were actually in this game for a while. And then Jimmy Herget, who's actually been pretty solid out of the pen for these guys, gets the blown save. Uh, Mickey Moniak, who a lot are saying might very well push Joe Adele out. Completely, because a lot of people don't realize this, but Mickey Moniak, who was picked up in a trade, was a number one draft pick. Oh, yes. That is right. But obviously not uh, not doing well at, uh, you know, that they were willing to trade him. Um, he has his moments. He's done all right. This game uh, had a couple of moments. He's two for four with two RBIs and a home run. Uh, Trout, two for four. Taylor Ward, two for four. Renhifo, two for four. Shohei, one for four. Uh, ten team hits, but only three runs does not beat the Guardians, who scored five. Cal Quantrill on the mound. And a guy, and we might as well just go ahead and talk about this. We meant to talk about this last week, but I think we got sidetracked with something, and we didn't mention um, Rocco Baldelli. And with the Twins playing the Guardians, uh, James Karinchak pitching, Rocco said, hey, uh, I think he's got something in his hair, like some kind of product or something. That's allowing him to, you know, juice up the ball. Unfortunately, the umpire had to go check. Kind of led to a cringeworthy moment, I think. Or if I'm a shampoo company, I'm I'm trying to market. I'm trying to get on top of this as, you know, the gee, your hair smells terrific. Like, gee, your hair feels terrific kind of thing or something. Yeah. What do you use? The umpire went out to the mound and, uh, you know, if this was a political thing, people from one side or the other of the political spectrum would be losing their mind about it. But the umpire goes out there and rubs his hand through the pitcher's hair. It's so weird. It was like, what would have been better is if he had had one of those big tongue depressors at <laughs> home. And, you know, like when you were in school and the nurse would come in because, you know, they had somebody somewhere in school had lice. Lice and check, so yeah. You got lice checks. And I remember sitting there thinking, please don't let me have, you know, like praying the whole time. But that would have been better if he had the comb. He was combing. (laughs) See if anything, any kind of product came off. Anything comes out of there, whether it be product or lice. Yeah, Yeah, that would have been bad for you if you'd had lice. Uh, You just had so much hair. Yeah. That would have probably shaved my head. I would have cheered. <laughs> yeah, it was so 
that was so weird. But I got to give it to the picture. He was like, okay, you know. Yeah, he could have been a jerk about it, but he yeah. just Maybe he's along. like, look at my luxurious hair. Because he had right. nice, yeah, he had nice hair. Like, Rocco, you're just jealous. Yeah. My mane. Well, that was it. The Angels pack up and head out of Cleveland. I don't even think they got to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame even. They just blew by. (laughs) Let me just get out of here. We need to get home so we can take on the Mariners, who are right there in the hunt for a wild card spot. Uh, They've been kind of with the three teams, Toronto, Tampa, and Seattle. It's been, uh, you know, just kind of a... They've been there where Seattle will be at the top, and then they'll lose a couple. Toronto will move up. And, yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, what can the Angels do? Can the Angels have an effect on the overall playoffs? They helped Cleveland uh, by, uh, by, not, uh, by not winning. So they go home. Michael Lorenzen hits the mound, uh, goes five innings, give up four hits, three runs, strikes out six. Going up against uh, last year's Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray, uh, who did? Who went five innings, uh, gave up eight hits and five runs. And I'm going to give you the score here, but it really, for most of the game, didn't feel this close. Uh, Angels walk away with the W, eight to seven. Renhifo three for five with four RBIs and his first multi-homer game of his career. Uh, Mike Trout with a home run. Shohei one for four and Taylor Ward had a good night, three for four with two RBIs. And at one point, I think uh, after. Uh, Renhifo's second home run, they were up like eight to four. And then Ty France hit a home run. Uh, and that brought it closer. Of course. And Carlos Santana had a big night, uh, two for four, three RBIs. He said, I'm winning. But they didn't. They didn't win. He just had a good night. JP Crawford walked three times. They couldn't keep him off of the bases. So, and Julio Rodriguez, probably this year's uh, rookie of the year, I would assume. Uh, had Stephen Kwan kept up the way he was going, he would have been Rookie of the Year, I'm pretty sure. But Yeah, I probably think Julio gonna... probably, uh, Rodriguez has it in the bag. Yeah. Uh, so they all had a good game. The next game was um, was a little quieter offensively, thanks to Shohei Otani's seven-inning performance. Only gives up three hits, no runs, strikeouts, strikes out eight. Uh, Aaron Loop gets his first save. Nice. Grabs that, and uh, Angels only had four hits in the game. And uh, Shohei, helping his own cause, went one for two with a double and an RBI. Um, they end up uh, taking out the uh, the Mariners two to one. Uh, that one courtesy of Taylor Trammell for the Mariners. So we head to game three in this wraparound series. It's a wraparound series. Uh, and uh, game three saw Reed Detmers back on the mound. Six innings pitched, four hits, one run, three strikeouts. He picks up his sixth win of the season. Uh, Renhifo did something that uh, he's only done one time before, two games ago. Yeah, he hit two home runs. Great. Another multi-homer game for him. He was two for four with three RBIs. Mike Ford, uh, two for four. And then rookie uh, Levon Soto. And I wish I could remember now what it was, but it's been quite a while. Levon Soto comes becomes the first player uh, in his first major league start 
not his first major league game, but his first major league or start to hit a home run. And uh, he uh, he's this is in his second game, two for three, two RBIs. Like I said had that home run. It was uh, he was very excited about that. And that brings us to the wraparound game. The wraparound game four of the series. Uh, Jose Suarez on the mound, five inning pitch, five runs, four Ks. Uh, Otani scores a run. Uh, he and Matt Duffy both with two hits. It was a sacrifice fly by Taylor Ward that uh, got Otani plated in this one. Mike Trout was off, which is kind of always throws me off because Mike Trout is a Mariner killer. So why not have him in there? Yeah, that doesn't make sense uh, why you would have a player who hits well against that, te- you know, certain team and you give him the day off. Oh, he didn't say anything board. about it. Maybe he's just got the back issue or whatever. It might be, you know, coming up and they're just like, yeah, hey, we'll just give him a day off to be safe. Yeah, it's a wraparound. Yeah. So, you know, he gets the day off and uh, they they just fall apart. Uh, the Mariners take it nine to one. Thanks to Carlos Santana going, Oye, como va? I'm going to hit a grand slam. And then uh, Ty France uh, follows up with a three run home run. Logan Gilbert on the mound for the Mariners, one of their best, uh, goes six innings, only gives up four hits, just the one run, and uh, strikes out 11. A silver lining is they won the series, they won three out of the four. And uh, making Seattle work a little harder to be in the playoffs to get there. Lucky for them, the next team below the three teams that are in the the wild card right now is the Orioles. And the Orioles are like five, five and a half, six games out. And the, the Orioles have a hard a hard row to hoe coming up with uh, with their, because they got to play a lot of teams in their division and everybody is, uh, you know, tough, especially with Toronto and Tampa Bay. So as soon as that game was over, the Angels did something that they've only done one other time this season. They got on a plane from Southern California to Texas, to Arlington, Texas. Not just Texas. They've gone to Houston, but they have only flown out to Arlington one time. And that was way back in May when they were, like, kicking everybody's butt. So they're going to go do that, and then they're going to go up to the Twin Cities to take on the Twins, who are battling with uh, the White Sox and the Guardians. So The the Gardeners. (laughs) Why not? I like that one better than Guardians. You can have all kinds of fun stuff, like... Gnomes, garden gnomes, gardening gloves they can give out. Right, yeah. Your uniforms could look like, uh, you know, utility kind of uniforms like the, uh, yeah, it could be, that could be fun. You know, you could have the little branded uh, um, lawnmowers, yeah. the gardeners, the Cleveland branded lawnmowers. I like it. So they're going to take on. Another marketing. I know, right? And no one listens. Nope, nobody listening. So they'll do that once they uh, once they finish up there. They will come home, and they'll be much like the Dodgers. They won't leave California again. They will uh, play a, another series or two at home, and then they will also. I think they finish up in Oakland. Texas. Comes in. Uh, actually, I think they play Oakland, and then Texas comes in. They finish up with Texas here at home. So let's take a look at this week's Silver Linings Award winner. Who you got? I know it's him again. But, I don't know, I had to go with Luis Renjifo, you know? Who else? <laughs> Who else could it be? I tried, tried. I looked at other people. I was like, oh, hey, maybe this one. But it always came back to Renjifo. 
So he is my silver lining player of the week. Well, and he had four home runs on the week, two, I mean, and that was just over two games. Seven RBIs. He's just, he's, you, every day, he's he's like um, Freddie and Trey. You expect him to be on base at some points to get a hit. When he's not, you're more surprised that he didn't get a hit. He's really, uh, during the offseason, he was working out, and he was working hard, and he was, just making, um, uh, you know, really working to be a, uh, a major leaguer, you know, full time. And uh, he's he's shown he can play the whole left side of the infield from second to third, um, you know, even shortstop. But they don't use him there a lot, but he can do that. And he's definitely uh, hitting the ball. So here's a guy who is trying to make himself an everyday um, and a valuable member of the Angels for now. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're able to keep him for a little while, homegrown talent kind of thing versus, uh, you know, trading him off somewhere or losing him during. Uh, we'll see. He's still got some time to go on that. But it's cool to see him come up and truly be a silver lining. You know, even if the Angels were were winning more often than they are, uh, he definitely has stood out. Time to hop in the dugout cart and take a ride around baseball. This week we'll start everything up with Players of the Week from the MLB. AL Player of the Week comes from Houston. We've heard his name before. Astros, Jordan Alvarez. And NL Player of the Week is the Padres, U Darvish. Uh, Alvarez led all hitters in runs with 10 home runs, 5 and extra base hits, nine during his big week. He batted 520, he was 13 for 25 with a 1.836 OPS. Um, he'd been in a post all-star slump and he snapped that. Uh, his week was highlighted by his three homer performance versus the A's and uh, which helped Houston secure it's sixth consecutive postseason berth, which I got to say real quick in here. It was really funny. After the Dodgers uh, clinched the NL West, you know, they're in the in the clubhouse and Clayton Kershaw has no shirt on. And somebody said, I bet Jose Altuve's wife is really jealous that Clayton Kershaw walks around with no shirt on. <laughs> anyway. I just thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. But let's get back to Jordan. He finished up on Sunday by recording two doubles, driving in four runs. Uh, his 10 RBIs tied the Guardians' Ahmed Rosario for the most in MLB last week. This is the third time an Astro has earned the honor in 2022. And uh, Alex Bregman won it for his play during the first week of the season and Jordan Alvarez claimed his first player of the week in June. So this is his uh, second time. And then you Darvish was dominant on the mound. He allowed only three hits and one walk across 14 innings as he notched road victories against the Mariners and the Diamondbacks. Um, he probably had his best start of the season against the Mariners. He had eight scoreless innings on just 94 pitches while striking out seven and then five days later, D-backs didn't know what to do as he tossed six shutout frames, only allowed three base runners, and struck out eight. Nice. But I have a question for you. All right. 
Is it okay to eat sunflower seeds in the middle of the game? While play is happening, not just like, you know, like batters coming up to bat and you're in the outfield or infield, but anytime during the game. When you're playing while you're, you're in playing, the game, you are in the game playing. Is it okay to eat sunflower seeds? Um, yeah. Yeah. The thing okay. would be, though, is that, you know, you go to make a play. What if you swallow? Yeah. And are you eating just a few at a time or you got the big, you know, you took too many and you got them all stuck in your in your cheek like a chipmunk trying to, you know, eat them and, and go. What happens if, you know, something happens and you end up choking on, you know, well, a lot of sunflower seeds? You could ask Brian Hayes about that because he was caught on camera pulling sunflower seeds out of his back pocket as a New York Mets runner rounded third base okay and he is the third baseman right <laughs> um so what's going on in pittsburgh i think that's yeah um eduardo escobar ran by him from first base um on a single to right field and uh in the third inning and uh he was like I don't have, not, you know, the ball's not coming to me. I don't have anything going on. I'm going to eat some sunflower seeds. And he said he eats seeds the whole game. Uh, he says, I've been doing it, but I just got caught this time. He said there was no play at third. The ball was in right field. Um, and he said, I can see how someone would say something, but I don't really care. He says, I'm ready for every pitch. I don't have anything to say. Pirates manager said it was an unfortunate situation and an outlier situation. Um, he said he did talk to Hayes about it, but he isn't going to bench him for eating sunflower seeds in the middle of the game. Uh, one, because he leads all players at his position and he ranks third in the majors in defensive runs saved at 19. Um, he said we just need to move on. But uh, later, I think maybe the next day, Brian Hayes had a change, a little bit of change of heart. He said, yeah, going forward, I'm not going to do that in the middle of the play. Regardless of where the ball is, I'll be more mindful. I'll only eat my seeds in between plays. Yeah, that makes more sense. I mean, doing it that way. But he, he didn't even have his glove on his hand. He was, oh, wow. The guys, the Mets runners running past him, and he's like, yeah, whatever. I guess that's what it's like when you play on the Pirates. You just give Wait, up. What, what difference does it make? But you can't argue with the fact that he is at the top in run saved. Yeah. The, I guess it's like we talked about with Freddie and uh, not getting any sleep, and he goes four for five. Same kind of an idea if, if it's working for you. But yeah, if your glove's not in, then you he wasn't ready that what if something did come or he needed to back up a play. The throw gets uh, overthrown out of right field to second base. Yeah, he wouldn't have been ready. He would have had well, a sunflower seed. He'd have had to spit a seed at it to slow the ball down. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. 
I don't think that, you know, it's just not a good look for an, a player who is, you know, I don't think we've seen um, the best of Cabrian Hayes yet. And if he keeps doing that, we may not. <laughs> yeah. Might get some disciplinary actions. No more seeds for you. From now on, we, we block him out of the seeds. Then you have, uh, of course, Albert Pujols. We're all hoping that he will hit 700. And as you referenced before, he only has two more to go, two more home runs to get to 700. Uh, super excited. He's passed A-Rod, or A-Frod, as you like to call him. And they are coming into Los Angeles for a weekend series. And... Everybody, I know, you know, as long as he hits a home run and it doesn't affect the game, um, I think is what a lot of people are saying, because he has been hitting these home runs and, you know, like this last one, 698, he was trailing, the Cardinals were trailing by two runs in the sixth inning and he hits a 427 foot home run to tie the game at four. Um, just, yeah, it's crazy because it's not just a home run, which goes in the record books. It's a home run that changes the trajectory of the game. It's helping. Cardinals. Yeah. And that's why the Cardinals are where they are is a lot. Um, not just because of him. I mean, they got a lot going on there, but he's come up clutch when he's needed. And it's kind of cool that he's going out on a high note with the team that he started with. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, I think there's that uh, thought and it's always is, you know, he, we knew he's going to retire. He goes back to his old team and he just doesn't, you know, it's kind of just a, uh, you know, he doesn't do anything. It's like, eh, kind of season. Um, but he is like, I'm not done yet. I, I have work that needs to be done and he's right. doing it. Right. Just especially since uh, the all-star break, since that home run derby contest, he has been on fire. I think it like re-energized him. Yeah, I think so too. So he, uh, he will continue on his March to 700 and beyond if, uh, depending on how things go. Um, I did notice uh, you know, because I, I have my tickets. I, I'm not the, I'm not, a, I don't really like sitting in the outfield. I've done it before. It's not bad, but um, the, uh, the tickets for Cardinal series, I looked at like San Diego and LA and the outfield seats on um, the secondary markets, like StubHub kind of places in that, uh, the resale market way up because people oh, are I like, well, I might be there for, 700 or whatever yeah. but it's going to be historical i want to be there and they're all out in uh buying up those outfield seats the bleacher seats in la i'm not sure how they work i know they're out there by that building out there the brick building in uh in san diego so that's uh you know right in that kind of left left center uh, area wherever you could sit out there try so that way uh, you might get a chance and what I've heard is is that um, once he gets there MLB's got special balls that they're going to be using so if he hits when he hits number 700 the ball will be will be marked so that way they know that was I'm not sure if it like they'll bring out a special ball throw out a special ball when he's up to play at, at the plate 
or uh, if it'll just be a ball that those are the balls in play during the games with the uh, with the Cardinals while he is um, right around there shooting for 700. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, all the, they all have a red dot. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know, but I haven't seen them. But you guys, no. I just thought about that. They'll have something on there so that uh, it's um, you know. Uh, commemorative of uh, what's happening. So 700 is a big number. Whether whether he moves up any farther, like I said, he he would have to hit um, at this point 16 more home runs to tie Babe. And unless he goes on some unreal tear all of a sudden, that ain't gonna happen. But had he been doing that since the beginning of the season, it very well could have. And I didn't even realize. Because I was so focused on him getting past Afrog that I didn't really think about that if he gets to 700, he's not that far away. If he could hit enough to to get there, yeah, he could actually he could tie at least tie, uh, Babe. If he'd hit, been had uh, you know a full season of uh, more solid home runs, if it, if the beginning of the season had been more like the end of the season. We also have World Baseball Classic news. We had the first qualifier. In Germany, there were six nations that went to the Regensburg or Regensburg uh, qualifier. Uh, two will earn the chance to play in the World Baseball Classic Tournament in March. Uh, as we said, um, the teams have expanded. So there are 20 teams for 2023. So there are more nations that could become a Cinderella like Israel was in the 2017 tournament. Uh, So the six nations that were playing in this Pool A qualifier are Czech Republic, Germany, Spain, France, Great Britain, and South Africa. Uh, At the time of the recording, uh, Germany had topped South Africa 11 to 5, which earned them a win um, or a chance, not a, well, obviously it earned them a win, duh, but they get to go on and pursue their, possibly their first ever World Baseball Classic appearance. They will, uh, they face the Czech Republic on Tuesday in an elimination game. The winner of that game are, will play the loser of the Tuesday of uh, the after a Tuesday game between Spain and Great Britain, and uh, that game will have a ticket to the World Baseball Championship on the line. So next week we will tell you if Germany made it into the World Baseball Classic. So lots happening there. Kind of cool. You got Germany, Czech Republic, Spain, Great Britain. And in Great Britain, they have on their team, they've got some uh, rookie, a rookie player from, uh, he went to, he goes to East Tennessee and he was drafted and um, so they got some, you know, I, I was wondering if playing cricket helps you also learn the mechanics of playing baseball. Um. That's a good question. I don't know. Because the more I've seen of cricket, it's, uh, you know, some of the stuff I could see where maybe, but others of it, it's like, eh, I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not real sure what's going on there. But uh, maybe. All right. Another question for you. 
do you agree? CC Sabathia came out and said, Aaron Judge is, you know, he's my he's my brother. He's my little brother. And he's doing great. But Shohei Otani is the MVP. Agree or disagree? Discuss. Well, I, I, I agree with you. Disagree? No, I said discuss. Discuss. Oh, talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. Um, we, um, I would say, and I was thinking about this. There's been a lot of talk about Aaron Judge, and I see tweets all the time. Aaron Judge is the uh, is the MVP, no doubt. Okay, I, I'm not saying Aaron Judge hasn't had a spectacular year. He's been there solid all year long. He's hitting a lot of home runs. At this point, he looks like he'll probably break the Yankees' single-season record. And cool, good for him. He's He leads in, a, in almost all the offensive categories. We talked about that last week, I think. Defensively, he's been fine. But when you talk about a most valuable player, who has more sway over the game? And I did see somebody go, well, if he was with the Angels, they'd have more wins. I don't think they would. You know, we'd have to go back and figure it out. How many, you know, what did he do each game and how would that have figured in to the Angels' overall success? But their pitching completely collapsed um, at one point, with the exception of Shohei. And who can have more of an effect on a single game as far as value overall? Like we talked about in uh, in the Silver Lining segment, he pitched a great game and then... Drove in one of the runs, you know, with a double. Aaron Judge isn't doing that. He's not stopping the other team on the mound and then hitting. So I think that we get really caught up in offensive numbers. And we're not looking so much as like in the big picture. I'm At this point, it's, it's hard to say who could ever be the MVP again other than Shohei as long as he continues on like he's doing he he qualifies as one of the best pitchers and is in the mix for the uh, you know Cy Young conversation. Uh, is he a Cy Young winner? I don't know. I don't think so. But but is he the MVP? I think he's uh, probably overall a better candidate than Aaron Judge, just like he was last year over Vladdy Jr. Yeah, I think that's the one thing is we do. I agree with you. We get stuck on the offensive numbers and we don't look at you know those those defensive numbers and when you look at Shohei Otani um he's doing he's doing everything you know he's seventh in major league baseball in ERA um he has a 13 and 8 uh win-loss record um you know has hit 34 home runs and he's still pitching. I've heard the argument, well, you know, he he was so great last year. You know, he can't be the MVP again, but why can't he? You know, you don't you're not seeing somebody that's helping their team and again you'll get the argument, well, he didn't, you know, the Angels aren't going anywhere. But when he was on the mound, the majority of the time Angels won those games because of his pitching performance. And not only that, he helped himself a lot of times, you know, by, you know, getting home run, a double something, you know, he would get on base and 
the guys would get him around. So I, you know, yes, judges in a lot of categories, first in MLB and in the AL, but, um, I don't know. I don't, the only other guy that I can think that, you know, but he's in the NL that's close to Shohei Otani is Hanser Alberto. And you know, <laughs> so he's not in the, in the running for MVP, but, uh, I think that people, you know, whoever votes for this will be, could really be swayed by the home run numbers and not look at the full And I think it helps that he's a Yankee. Yes. And just the lore that goes around that. I think, though, like uh, some players, people have said, hey, why are we spending so much time worried about that Shohei does, you know, both things? And and why don't we just appreciate what what we're seeing now? Because we don't know that there'll ever be another two-way player like this. Um, you know, somebody may come and find that they can't do both ways. They may start off that way. How many different guys have come up as two-way player? Jared Walsh, two-way player. We talked about last week, Michael Lorenzen came up as a two-way player. They ended up going in different directions. They're not doing that. It's not for everybody. Shohei is different. Will there be another um, Japanese player that comes that has the same uh, two-way capability? Maybe. But until that happens, nobody else is doing it. We need to appreciate it and reward it at this point uh, for what it is. And, you know, I think that's what happened. If Vladdy Jr. was a Yankee, maybe he wins it last year. I don't think so, because the year that Shohei had was so unbelievable for doing it on both sides of the ball. But that's what I look at, too. How often does Aaron Judge have uh, an effect on the game defensively, whereas Shohei has a major effect because if he's pitching poorly, that's a problem. If he's pitching great, if Aaron Judge was on the uh, Angels, he'd have nothing to do most of the time. That's what I think as far as that goes. And in the American League, I can't even think of who else uh, we could be um, considering. Those are the top two candidates. And really, in the National League, it seems like it's really, even though I think Freddie Freeman should uh, should get consideration based on what he's done, um, we're probably looking at Paul Goldschmidt. And yeah, I think... I think so, too. I think at this time of year, what's nice for those guys is they've been healthy all year long, so they don't have to worry about not potentially winning the MVP because they had to take a trip on the wheel of Iowa. Ow! Oh, poor Ozzy Albies. He broke his foot. He was out. He does everything he's supposed to do. Comes back. Is in his second game, and he breaks his pinky finger as he's sliding into second base. Ay, ay, ay. And uh, they're hoping that he will be back in early October, but they just don't know. Uh, obviously, a finger is a little bit easier maybe to handle or 
deal with than a foot. But uh, yeah, poor guy. It's like second game back, and he, I think he needs like vitamin D, some calcium, something. Not drinking enough milk. No. Uh, Kirby Yates is on the 15-day IL with right elbow inflammation. Uh, Nico Horner is on the uh, 10-day IL uh, with a strain in his right triceps. Um, Andrew Velasquez of the Angels is out for the season after tearing the meniscus in his right knee. Ouch. Ouch! Not good. I mean, he was coming, you know, he'd had his moments, and then he kind of fell off a little bit and then was coming back and then this happens yeah defensively he had was pretty solid all year long offensively he was hit or miss uh, but and even with the defense he had some issues but he was like one of the top uh you know in defensive run save uh even though he he wasn't always a consistent hitter the Marlins Jazz uh, Chisholm is out for the season after having surgery to repair a torn right meniscus. He hasn't played since June. He also has a stress fracture in his back. Um, he decided to go ahead and have the surgery now. I mean, why not? He, like I said, hasn't played since June. Might as well get the surgery so he will be ready for spring training. Tommy Listella of the Giants is on the 10-day IL with neck spasms. Eugenio Suarez of the Mariners is on the 10-day IL with a fractured right index finger. That's a tough one for them because he's been a major factor for yes. them in, uh, in their run this season. Jordan Hicks is on the 15-day IL with arm soreness and fatigue. Uh, Brendan Rogers of the Rockies is listed as day-to-day um, as he will have an MRI to determine the severity of the left hamstring sprain. Jorge Soler, we had reported, was going to have surgery, but now he does not need to have surgery, but he still has been shut down for the season, so he'll start a rehab program to get him uh, ready for the 2023 season. Uh Catcher for the Twins, Sandy Leone, is listed as day-to-day with knee soreness. And uh, his battery mate, one of his battery mates, Sonny Gray, is listed as day-to-day with hamstring tightness. Frankie Montas, a starting pitcher for the Yankees, has uh, a trip on the 15-day IL with shoulder soreness. Alex Wood has been on the 15-day IL um, dealing with a shoulder impingement, but the Giants have decided to shut him down for the rest of the season. And Cardinals outfielder Tyler O'Neill is on the 10-day IL with a left hamstring injury. So all of those guys are either have been spinning or will hop on the wheel of IL this week. And uh, we don't have a retirement wheel, but... I did fail to mention that David Price said that he will retire after this season. That makes sense. He said, I hurt everywhere and it's just time. I've heard that from, uh, from a couple of different players are kind of saying that, Hey, you know, I'm, I just, I can't, I can't see me continuing to do this, but you know, it happens. You get some time off. You, you're, you know, you're working out, maybe you're thinking about it and then you go, oh, but I feel really good. And, yeah, he you know, still, I, I mean, he is right now on the 15 day IL with the wrist soreness, 
but he does want to, you know, pitch um, in the postseason. Um, he has had, you know, really good moments with the Dodgers out of the bullpen. Um, his role shifted when he was traded from uh, Boston to the Dodgers and became a bullpen piece. Um, sometimes started here and there, but now he's strictly out of the bullpen. So we will see what happens with him and his wrist in the postseason. But yeah, for now, he is saying he's retiring. Farewell, adios, Alvitas, and goodbye. I know I messed that up, but um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, the end of a good career for him. Yeah, I mean, Cy Young Award winner, you know, with the Rays. Um, good guy, maybe, just overall. Maybe he can go out with another ring uh, with uh, with the Dodgers this time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Sibling Rivalry BB without the A. And on Facebook and Instagram at Sibling Rivalry BB with the A. Check out our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. Click on one of the Fanatics links and you'll be able to not only support the show, but support your favorite team, especially the Dodgers with uh, postseason gear. Now available, uh, NL West winning uh, Dodgers gear as they uh, they head off into the playoffs. You'll be ready to support them or any team that because uh, right now what only uh, the Asterix and the Mets have joined the Dodgers as uh, playoff teams. The Asterix did take the AL West uh, finally, but them and the Mets are the only other teams in the playoffs. So we may be uh, seeing. Some of this go down to the wire. We'll talk about all that next week. We'll see if the Angels have any effect on the AL Central. They helped the Guardians last time, or the Gardeners, as they're now known. Uh, and then uh, they're going to be taking on the Twins. Will they uh, dash the Twins' hopes? Or will the Twins get ever closer to maybe a playoff or, uh, or getting into the uh, the playoffs as when it, by winning the AL Central, so we'll talk about all that stuff and more. We'll uh, check in on the wheel to see who's joined, who's dropped off, and any more retirement. And we'll talk next week about uh, Albert. Did he hit 700 while I was at the game on Saturday night? Let's. Uh, that would be cool. We'll see. We'll do all that uh, next time on the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to swing away.